Good morning, everybody. And look at all the smiling faces out here. Everybody's all happy and worshiping God. There's something about being in the presence of God, right, that um, just causes us to, one, be in awe of who He is, but also to be just, I guess, rejoice because of everything that He's done. So yesterday, um, I think there were, Rachel, about 10 people, 11 people, 13 people from our church that um, went to Salisbury to Pastor Bob's Church World Hope Worship Center, and we had a missions uh, conference that was going on there. So George Klein was there, and then we had various um, representatives from the Southeast District who are very involved in our missions and locally, uh, just as far as within North Carolina, within the Southeast District, and um, got to hear some really good encouragement and teaching yesterday. And so that leads us to next Sunday. George Klein will be here. And like I said last Sunday... This is not a Sunday that you want to lay out. If there's ever, you don't want to lay out any Sunday, but I want to strongly encourage you to be here next Sunday to hear uh, George Klein and and what he's going to be bringing. Uh, George is, his role has changed as of uh, January of this year a little bit. He is still coaching coaches who help to get people onto the mission field, but he is also a missionary himself. And um, I want to encourage, like I did last Sunday too, we're going to receive a special offering for him because he is now raising his own funds to be a missionary. And he's going to different places in Europe and uh, one of his major focuses is there. But he's taking people with him as he goes. And, and the goal is to have, I think it's like a thousand missionaries uh, by 2025. And right now we're at 200 so to have a thousand that are actually abroad, and so um, just come. It's going to be really good, and uh, he'll be here for both services for that. So, and again, special offering that we're going to receive for him uh, to support the work that he does. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. Well, I want to continue today in our series, God's Kingdom. We started this last week, and um, we're going to continue after George. Uh, leaves next Sunday after he's with us, and so we'll, we'll get into this. And, um, you know, I was looking ahead. Um, Matt's going to be speaking. You know, Pastor Matt, we have him once a quarter who uh, also shares a message, so he's going to be sharing as well. But then after we finish this series, do you know we're going to start our Easter series? I mean, it's coming up that close to, it's 2020, right? Groundhog Day. Did, does anybody know, did the groundhog see his shadow? Winter is over. All right. Well, I don't know if it's ever started, to be honest. I know we had a little bit of snow the other day, but I'm not sure that winter has ever started. But um, anyway, thank God for the groundhog. Let's talk about kingdom exchange today. I don't know. Some people don't like groundhogs. They, we won't talk about that. Yeah, a lot of people don't like winter, too. Well, kingdom of God, the terms kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it can be found over 80 times in the New Testament. And what we've seen uh, last week that every kingdom, you know, we don't necessarily operate in the United States as a kingdom type of thing, even though it is sort of a kingdom. Um, but, you know, that, that's more of a, a type of thing that we see in some of the older cultures that are around the world. But every kingdom has a rule, which is authority has a reign, which is the people that are are ruled over, and a realm, which is land and territory. And of course, we see that in the kingdom of God. How many of you know that the kingdom of God is not a democracy? It is not a republic. It is a kingdom. What God says is what God says, and it is in his word. And um, not only, I mean, you know, when we think of authoritarian, we think it's my way or the highway. And yeah, that's kind of the sense of, I guess you could interpret it that way. But 
It's more we have a loving God who cares for us so much that he has set things up to say, hey, if you go this way, this is the way of life. But if you go this way, this is the way of death, and I want you to choose life. I can live in that type of kingdom. A lot of the kingdoms that we may see on TV and the way they're depicted and on, on TV and how they, you know, even how history has done it, uh, kingdom is a type of thing that oppresses the people. Not so in the kingdom of God. That's not what the intent was. Uh, but we're talking about this, and, and we're going to see how we even have a role, especially today. We're going to see how we have a role uh, within this. So uh, here it goes on to say, God gave, this is in your bulletin, God gave mankind rule over the earth, but they rejected this responsibility with sin. This sin handed uh, authority over to the kingdom of darkness and Satan, but Jesus reestablished the kingdom of God with his death and his resurrection. And we just were able to partake of communion together, which we celebrate life in that. We celebrate health and healing and wholeness and, of course, eternal life. He has given authority to believers to build the kingdom in his name. We have a responsibility for those who have been saved. We have a responsibility to be led by the Holy Spirit as we build his kingdom, as we work, and as we tell people about Jesus, as we encourage those who are believers in their faith and they discover the gifts that God has given them. That is building the kingdom of God and his rule and his reign and the way that he has established things. Now, we brought this point um, up as well, talking about when it comes to walk in authority, we have to come under his rule. Um, but have you ever felt that you were in a tug of war within your spirit and also naturally? Okay, I want to do something real quick. I didn't warn these people, but Neely and Clint and Luke, can you guys come up here just real quick? I promise I'm not going to embarrass you, okay? Well, yeah. We're thinking about a tug of war spiritually. Have you ever felt that you're in this place? Neely, I want you to get in the middle. Okay, turn around right here. Clint, you can come on this side. Luke, you face Neely. Clint, you face Neely. And back up. Neely, I want you to put your arms out. Clint, you grab there. Luke. All right, on the count of three, with all the strength that you have, I want you to pull as hard as you can and don't let go. One... I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that to Neely. <laughs> Clint, you were about to do that to your daughter. Okay. But have you ever felt like that? That life is just pulling at you from both directions. You can be seated. <laughs> Wasn't planning on that, were you, Neely? <laughs> I just got the stank eye. <laughs> It's a teenage thing. But have you ever felt like that? That you're in a tug of war? You want to do what is right. You want to do what is good. You want to please God. But then on the other side of this, you have what is the kingdom of this world that's pulling the other direction. Paul wrote about this. I don't have this in our text today. But Paul wrote about this. He said, the things that I want to do that I know is right, I don't do those things. But the things that I know I shouldn't do, that's what I'm drawn to and that's what I want, end up doing. That's what I end up doing in life. And so we can find ourselves trapped between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And again, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get pulled too much to the kingdom of my sin, of, of the flesh that's in there. And so I want us to look at this kingdom exchange today 
that God has given to us. Uh, one of the theme scriptures that we've had uh, even through this comes out of Matthew chapter 28 where it says, Jesus came, he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. And he tells how to do that. Uh, so this is what Jesus has said. I have exchanged this kingdom where when Jesus took back the kingdom, even of this world, from the rule of Satan, uh, he says, I've been given all this authority and now I'm giving it to you. You go make disciples. And we heard about this yesterday, didn't we? The, those who were able to go to the missions thing. You know, missions also, when we hear about this, missions does not mean that God is going to send you to a foreign nation. Necessarily. Now, he might, but not necessarily. There's things that happen in your own backyard. There's places that God has placed you where you work, where he's saying, I have given you authority to go proclaim the kingdom of God. And that's what he, so there's this exchange that I want us to, to look at. Often we can focus on the darkness that is around us. Now, if you have a cell phone with a flashlight, I want everybody to take out your cell phone real quick if you have one of those, right? All right, so here I am. I am in darkness. And then one day I hear the good news about Jesus. And you have to keep your light out right now because you haven't been saved yet, Dean. So everybody keep your flashlights off just for a moment. But I have been given the kingdom of light, right? This little light of mine. We used to do it with candles. Now we do it with cell phones. You want to borrow mine, Mr. Stone? You, you can't borrow my light. You have to have your own. So I go and I tell Miss Vicky about the kingdom of light. And I, and I began to go around. And all of a sudden people are hearing about the kingdom of God. And then Luke goes and tells somebody else, and then somebody else, and it begins, now you can turn your flashlights on, right? And what begins to happen? You still need to hear Jesus. He said it died. Oh, Mr. Stahl has a flashlight on his phone. I didn't know flip phones were equipped with those. It's just a flashlight that looks like a cell phone. You don't know what they got. Oh, my word. See, even Mr. Stowe can get saved. <laughs> that is awesome. But often, you can turn them off now so you don't kill you. Oh, he can't turn it off. Just <laughs> Let it shine, Mr. Stowe. Let it shine. But when we did that, did you see the light that was shining, right? So where we tend to focus on the darkness that has invaded our world, the reality is there are lights all over the place. Where people have received Jesus, that was classic, that was awesome. Where people have received Jesus as Lord and Savior and they're beginning to let their light shine. I want to be that type of person that focuses on the light. Yes, there's darkness that's around there and I want to be able to see that darkness so that I know where to run to to take my light to. See, and I've said this before that, you know, when, when we talk about, can you just pray that I get a new job that I'm surrounded by believers because I just don't like being surrounded by unbelievers? No, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pray that when you go in there with your light, that other lights begin, that, that business place is now becoming a place of light as opposed to leaving people in their darkness. And so this is the kingdom exchange that we're talking about. So what we're going to do today, I want to look at some practical ways to exercise this kingdom exchange and to walk in authority. So we, we talked last week, walk in authority. What does that even mean? I'm just a...
Somebody who, you know, I just go through my daily life. How can I walk in authority? These are such practical ways where you're going to begin to see even more so. Some of, we've heard a lot of these already. But I want to challenge us with these things today. So there's about six different things that we're going to look at and how we uh, can walk in authority. And that exchange begins to happen where we are building the kingdom of God. First of all, practical way, hear God's word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And it says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God. Hear his word. Now, we have Bible through the year plans that we make available. Miss Vicki will print out these little uh, bookmark type things that you can have, and each day you can see a different reading for that particular day. How often should we do daily devotionals? It's in the name. Very good. Very good. You know, I was thinking about this this morning, and I thought some of the words of Jesus where he said, Give us this day our daily bread. Now that's physical provision and things like that. But he also said, men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's that daily sustenance. So I want to encourage you, if you are not reading the Bible daily, begin today. You will see that kingdom exchange began to happen because when people began to ask you about your faith and why, I just read a cool story about that, how there was this man who didn't know Jesus and Jesus did a miraculous sign in his life and that guy got up and he began to walk and leap and praise God. There's a kingdom exchange that has just happened in that realm. So daily reading, start today. And you know what? On the um, daily reading things that we provide, sometimes it's as many as five chapters a day. Start with one. Start with one chapter. And ask God to give you a hunger for his word. There will come a point where you'll finish with the particular assigned daily reading and you'll think, well, what happens next? I want to read ahead. <laughs> because there's this hunger in God's word that he will place within you. When you hear from God, you know how to act. You know what he wants you to do. When you hear God's word, you are gaining life. The truths and realities of the kingdom of God are revealed in your life and for your situation. You ever found yourself in that tug of war? Pick up God's word. He's got an answer for that. Whatever you're going through at this very moment, um, the Gideons hand out the Bibles, uh, the little testaments, and uh, is it in the front or the back? The front, it has, if you're going through a particular, I should have the Gideons present this, but they do it all the time. But in the front, we've seen Mr. Stowe and Miss Stowe and Dwayne and Dean and um, Tommy back there. And Malou, absolutely, and Rachel. And, but anyway, it has things in here. Are you facing, if, are you curious about God? Man, that's really tiny print. It gives you places where you can turn to find about to find out about God. Are you depressed? It gives three scriptures there in the page number. God wants to transfer his kingdom to you so that you are equipped and enabled to do his work. 
And it begins with His Word. Amen? Amen. I want to challenge you. Every day, start this week, get in His Word. Every day. Every single day. Secondly, we alluded to this. Actually, we talked quite a bit about this last week. Pray the name of Jesus in your situation. Look at Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn there with me. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you're trying to find that there. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look verse 9 through 11. And this is Jesus. This is what God did through his son. Therefore, God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is higher above any situation, anything that you are facing, any obstacle, any person even that may be coming against you, the kingdom of darkness that may be coming against you. He's given us his name, honestly, as a weapon to use. There's nothing that's bigger than the name of Jesus. It says here, every knee in heaven will bow to Jesus. That's the angels, right? That's good. Every knee on the earth will bow. Even those who we see and we hear who mock the name of Jesus. You know, there is coming a day where every knee on the earth will bow. So we don't have to necessarily be so concerned when people mock Christianity. When, uh, obviously, it's disturbing to us because we want people to be saved. But we do our job. We tell people about Jesus in Jesus' name. We declare His kingdom you know, after that, it's up to the individual to receive that. But we have this understanding that one day every knee will bow. And I want my knee to be the knee that bows willingly before him. It also says every knee under the earth will bow. Now, what does that make you think of? The kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of hell, absolutely, one day will bow before the name of Jesus. There is authority and there is power in his name because there's no other name that is higher. Have you found yourself in a situation where you could only call upon his name? That's all you can do, just call upon the name of Jesus. See, what I'm training myself to do as opposed to calling upon the situation that I'm facing. I'll say, Lord, you see the situation that I'm facing. But then I turn it to where I am focused upon him and his kingdom. God, I'm facing this in my life now, and it's, it's really gotten to me. But the name of Jesus overcomes all of that. So God, today I praise you. I thank you for Jesus. I declare him in my situation. And see, where now I'm no longer focusing on me and my problem and my situation. I'm focusing on the one whose name is bigger than all of it. The name of Jesus. Thirdly, apply the blood of the lamb. Now we've heard, we hear this uh, a lot talked about in Christianity, the blood of the lamb. Um, I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to look at this a little, close, little more closely. Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to go to verse 18. 
So if you want to turn there with me, Hebrews 9, 18, we're going to go through verse 22. So I want to, man, what is this blood of the lamb, right? Maybe you've never heard this before, so I want to be able to explain this just a little bit. Um, because I don't know about you. I mean, you guys know how I do with blood, right? I mean, I'm on the floor, yeah, when there's, when there's blood involved. I'll, I, I remember when Gabe had a situation when he was little and you know how kids do, they crawl on things and then they hit their chin and there's blood everywhere. I managed until Stasha was able to come into the room and I said, honey, it's yours, I gotta go lay down on the couch a little bit. I don't know how I would have done it as a priest in the Old Testament. I don't think I would have made it. <laughs> Let's talk about this blood of the lamb here for a moment. Verse 18. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had, reached, had um, read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, if you'll remember, the first sacrifice happened at that point because God had to cover Adam and Eve with an animal skin, right? He did that, so animal had to lose its life at that point. But we're talking about applying the, the blood of the lamb. So in the Old Testament, Hebrews is pointing to the Old Testament. It required that the blood of an animal be shed for the sins of people. Why? Because the Bible tells us that life is in the blood. When your blood stops flowing, you're no longer living, at least here on this earth, are you? You're, the blood's just not flowing anymore. Life is found in the blood. The Bible says what? The wages of sin is death. Where do we find life? In the blood. The wages of sin is death. So the blood of the animal took the place of the blood of people. Because when we are living in sin, we are ultimately, we're living in death. So in the Old Testament, God said, all right, I'm not going to require you to die. Instead, there's going to be an animal that takes your place, that takes the sin, that, that removes the sin for that year. Okay, so that's how the Old Testament worked out. We just read in our daily reading that the people of Israel had to smear the blood of a sacrificial lamb over their doorways to remove the 10th plague. You remember reading about that? When you read about the 10 plagues of, uh, that happened when God was wanting to lead his people out of Israel, the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn in every house. And the Bible says here that there was not a single house in Egypt where someone was not dead, a firstborn son in Egypt. But the people of God heard what the Lord wanted to do, and he says, Take this blood from this sacrifice and smear it over your doorway, and the death angel will pass over your house. That's where we get Passover from. The Jewish culture gets Passover from. Why? Because there was a substitutionary sacrifice of a lamb. Now, that wasn't good enough, though, ultimately, because, again, the sacrifices had to happen fairly often uh, for you to, and I to be able to receive forgiveness of sin. So in the New Testament, um, Doug just read this a few moments ago. I think it was Doug. For God so loved the world that whoever, that he, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
God gave his son to die on the cross and every drop of blood was drained from his body so that it could take away your sin and my sin. He was the perfect spotless lamb the Bible describes him as. His blood demands that we will not face eternal death. Death does not have dominion over the believer. It doesn't. Death does not have dominion over the believer. So we apply the blood of the lamb that gives forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says this, washes us white as snow. How is it that red blood can wash us white as snow? I'm not sure how that works, I, uh, you know, in a logical type of thing. But here's what I do know, that Jesus' blood was perfect. Life is in the blood. And because of that, he took my place to where... I don't have to face eternal death. Physically, yes. I know we've lost loved ones, and that's a sad time, isn't it? But as they are in Christ, we don't have to sorrow anymore because the Bible tells us that there will come a day that we will be with them again in the presence of God. So apply the blood of the Lamb. Let me read this one to you, too. You can write this scripture down. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 where we're talking about death does not have dominion over the believer. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. What a great scripture. The precious blood of Jesus. And we can apply that to say that death no longer has authority over us. Number four, be filled with the Spirit. We focused on this last week as well. Second service, by the way, if you weren't here, second service, actually in the first service too, just the people that were lingering in prayer, that were just hanging out here. What a sweet spirit that we were able to enjoy the presence of God uh, last week in, in that type of sense. But also second service, very similar. People just hanging around. And we know that there were two people who, uh, that I know of uh, that received the baptism with the Holy Spirit at the end of the service. Praise the Lord for that. That's what this is talking about. Be filled with the Spirit. And this is an everyday thing. John chapter 7, if you want to turn there with me. John chapter 7, I want us to look beginning in verse 38. John 7, 38. We're going to read just a few, a couple of the verses here. 38 and 39. And this is Jesus uh, who's talking um, to the crowds at this point. He says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Well, now Jesus has entered into his glory, so the Holy Spirit has been given. Why was the Holy Spirit given? To lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to empower us, as we read last week, to empower us to be witnesses, to take the light into the darkness. Be filled with the Spirit. Every day, begin to pray, God, it's a new morning. Will you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit so I can be on kingdom mission today? Number five, sing songs of victory. 
right? I love upbeat songs. I love slow songs. But when you think of songs of victory, we are the champions, my friend. You know, you begin to think of things like that. Songs of victory, though, in the Lord. That's even better. Sorry, Clint. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Songs of victory of what God has done. What has God done in your life? He saved you. He's redeemed you. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hasn't he done all those things for us? Songs of victory. And you may not be one who is known for singing. This this is an unofficial study. Very unofficial study. But what I find is even people who, we'll just say, can't carry a tune in a bucket. We'll keep it pretty simple. Even those folks love to sing. Hairbrush. What do you use, Dean? (laughs) I know you are. (laughs) I saw Rachel. She's like, Dean, you can't sing, but you do. Yeah. You know what God loves? Songs. Joyful noise. (laughs) God loves when his people are singing songs of victory. I found this too. This is kind of unofficial, but, you know, normally us guys, we're not ones to just kind of sing out. But you know what? We're talking about singing a song of victory. Look at Psalm 32, 7. I'll just read this one to you. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. When God has done something for you, and you may need to get in your car where nobody can hear you. That's fine. There's no issue with that. But you just need to sing out to the Lord. You just need to sing praises to him. Um, My mentor, uh, Pastor Dale Jenkins, he was telling a story one time, and uh, he said that he was kind of walking around this neighborhood and um, went to where this new school was going to be built. And uh, he said he, you know, he was just praying over the school that was coming to his neighborhood, and he sensed the Lord saying, I want you to begin to just proclaim victory over this. And I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to begin to worship. So he's in this parking lot, and he's looking around. <laughs> as I would be too. There's nobody around. So he did. He, he knelt and he, he began to praise God and even began to sing because he was being obedient to the Lord. And so he said, I was down there for like a minute and I got up because I knew people would be coming around. And then that pride that typically comes in all of us. He said he's walking back to his house and he's in his neighborhood now. And he said, he sensed the Lord saying, now I want you to do it here in your neighborhood so he's looking around, and he knows that there are people out, so he knelt down and pretended he was tying his shoe. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. But then he said, he just eventually went down to his knee. He said, I was only there for like 20 seconds, but I was being obedient to what the Lord, it was about obedience in that morning, in that moment. You know, sometimes God may have you do some crazy things, but he's wanting to bring about a harvest through obedience. I want to be the type of person that when God says, sing a song of victory, that I sing a song of victory. David did it all the time in the Psalms. That's where the Psalms come from. Most of the Psalms come from. I want to be that type of person. We're talking about invoking the kingdom of God, singing songs of victory. 
Remember the story of Peter and John, Paul and Silas, these guys who were in prison, they began to sing, they were freed. If you feel like you're in bondage or you're in chains, we've, this has been a theme over the last few weeks, you feel like you're just in this place, begin to sing praises to God in the middle of the situation. Now, I think, you know, when there's a victory and uh, the song, We Are the Champions, my friend, usually the championship team, you know, the Super, there's a game tonight, right? Super Bowl. The winning team may have this victorious celebration because they have won. You know what God tells us to do? To sing before we even experience the victory. While the chains and while the prison and while the bondage is there, you sing songs of victory then. In that moment. It doesn't matter that you can't carry a tune. It's not uncommon for me to pray for people facing a difficult time and ask that God would give them a song of praise to the Lord. So when I pray for people, you know, I, I do this when I'm calling people like, hey, we missed you. Everything. No, we've just been sick. Or I've just been feeling this lately. And so I'll pray for them. And Lord, I just ask that you would give them a song of praise to their God this morning. Why is that? Because in Psalm, sing songs of victory. And finally, when we're looking here of just practical ways of um, that kingdom transfer that begins to happen is to raise a shout of triumph. Some of you are naturally shouters. <laughs> you missed it, Dean. <laughs> Some of you are naturally shouters. Others are not, right? I'm not naturally a shouter. Stasha just kidding. Just naturally. That went over like a lead balloon. Um, some of you are naturally shouters. Others are not. Some of you will shout at your spouse or your kids, but not even raise a shout of praise to the Lord. I've done it. You know, shouted at my kids. And then the Lord says, I want you to raise a shout of praise to me. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Wow. The Lord convicted me with that one, right? Anybody else? Question. Did Israel raise a shout of victory before or after the walls of Jericho fell? Before. Some of you are in the middle of a battle. Some of you are in the middle of some difficult times. And you need to begin shouting praises to God now. Something that I... I say this almost every Sunday. That's something else I learned from my mom. You praise the Lord before the victory. That's how God commanded it to happen. What are we shouting? What are we praising? His holy name. Amen. It's this kingdom transfer. God says, do it my way, not the way that you're taught to do it. You know, some of our sports teams aren't doing that great this year. <laughs> we tend to shout only when they're winning. Right? Yeah, you've been quiet all year. I've been quiet all year long. <laughs> it's been a tough year. But it would be the equivalent of me saying, go Tar Heels right now, even though we lost last night. There's things in life that are much more devastating than a ball game. Yeah. I want to shout praises in the middle of the storm. I want to shout victory before I see the victory happen. Why? I want to shout, raise a shout of triumph 
even though it feels like I'm in a moment of defeat because I want that kingdom transfer to happen. We walk by faith and not by sight. Psalm 47.1 says, Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Let the praises of God be in your mouth. Exalt Jesus above your situation. Amen? Can we stand this morning? Exalt Jesus above your situation. It's verbal. You've given enough words to the situation that you've faced. Now turn those words into praise and exalt the name of Jesus above that. You know, we're not all facing difficult times, so that's not what this call is to this morning. But if you are, I want you to praise the name of Jesus. Maybe it's an unsaved loved one that has not come into the kingdom yet, and you're thinking, God, I've prayed for this person for so long, or a work situation, or, you know, just... We're all faced something, right? I want us to begin to lift up our voices before the Lord and begin to praise His name and say, God, Your kingdom come. Will you do that with me this morning? Lord, Your kingdom come in this situation that we are facing today. God, we want to see this kingdom transfer because You've made it possible, Lord. May Your kingdom come. May Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those who have not come into the kingdom of God, we declare that they are saved in Jesus' name and we thank you for victory in their life, Lord. Lord, the health crisis that some are facing, we declare victory over it in the name of Jesus. Give us wisdom, even on our end, maybe of dietary changes we need to make. But God, we even know that, God, you are the healer miraculously you can work at our situation. God, maybe we feel that we're still in a prison or we're, we're facing that tug of war battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Lord, help us to be the people who are led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. If you've never began a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today where you begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's that you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and that he died upon the cross for your sin. And the life that you have lived up to this point is not one that, you know, honors God in his word. But you want that to change today to where you confess your sin and confess Jesus as Lord. Is there anyone in here like that? You say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Anybody at all? You just slip up your hand. Anybody? So I can see who I'm praying for. Anybody at all? Maybe you're in a place where you're in that tug of war and you say, I'm, I'm tired of this tug of war because often I end up getting pulled to the wrong side and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. Once you begin to lift your hands and just thank God for the victory that he has given you in your life. Lord, I thank you for the victory that you have given me over sin. God, I thank you for the victory that you have given me over choosing the wrong path, Lord because I want my life to honor you. I want my life to please you. Maybe today, as we've already done throughout this week, you just need to sing a song of victory or to raise a shout of triumph before the Lord. You're like, I'm not gonna do that in front of people. Well, that's fine, start somewhere. Get in your car today, go home, begin to sing a praise to the Lord.
Go to your closet. Sing a song of praise to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing among us, in us, and through us.